Hello and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media personality, talent booker, dog lover, and political enthusiast. And I am State Representative Terry Anulowitz, and I am not going to see Taylor Swift this weekend. <laughs> so Terry and I are recording this on the Friday before Taylor Swift. I am actually going with Jen Jordan. Uh, who is not available today because she's like doing illegal stuff, Terry. She's got a lot of talking work to do. She's very fancy. I have actually been joking with her that I want to go back to law school or I want to go to law school because there have been so many cool things in, in like all the Trump stuff, the Dominion stuff, now Din- Disney and Ron DeSantis. I mean, I'm like, uh, lawyers are cool. They are. They're They're kind of like these stealth heroes. Pretty amazing. When they use their powers for good. When they use their powers for good. Well, speaking of superpowers, weed or marijuana is sort of legal in Georgia now. What's the deal? So today, three medical marijuana dispensaries opened in Georgia. This is on Friday, April 28th. And I actually went to the opening of the one in Marietta. There's one in Marietta. There's one in Macon that also opened today. And then there is one down near Savannah that is going to be opening up, I think, very, very soon. And the one in Marietta, this is how Marietta, this dispensary is, Mara. It's just north of the Big Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) It's in a shopping center. It's just north of the Big Chicken. It is actually just a little bit north of of my house district, 42. And when I went there today, I you know, pulled in the parking lot and there were people lined up outside of it. There was a ton, they, you know, they got a ton of press. There were people lined up outside of it. I saw, you know, magnets on people's minivans for the same school that my kids go to and was, you know, ran into some parents who I knew and they were there because their 19 year old daughter has severe epilepsy and she's mm-hmm. able now to get this, you know, she, they can actually walk in to a legally operating, regular, regulated dispensary and get the oil, the cannabis oil for their daughter that she needs to not have these debilitating seizures. And in the past, they had to do these really sketchy, sort of drug pickups. Like somebody would leave the oil in a parking lot and then they would go pick it up. And it was just, you know, it was just the oil has been legal in Georgia for a while, but, but dispensing it has not been. And so this is a huge thing for families and individuals who really do benefit from from this medical cannabis. Now, to be clear, this is not somewhere where you're going to go if you want some gummies. This is not somewhere where you're going to go if you want any kind of an edible. It is not somewhere you can walk in if you do not have a prescription and you do not have one of these prescription cards that's been issued to you by the state of Georgia. So Damn this is it. not like it is in other states. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, but yeah. let me ask about that because, okay. um, and I think what Terry's talking about is like if you have been to certain states, like for example, in Washington or in Oregon or in Los Angeles, I mean, Colorado, you can pretty much go to these stores and you can buy these pre-rolled joints, you can buy 
gummies. It's like there's a place in L.A. called Mad Men. It's, it's, it's like a department store of weed. And it seems pretty smart. I mean, look, they're legalizing it in so many states. Why is Georgia taking so long? I know this is a good step in the right direction, Terry, but when is Georgia going to get to that point? Georgia is a state that had several hours of debate on the topic of allowing alcohol sales one hour earlier on Sunday. Unbelievable. Georgia Georgia is a state that didn't have Sunday alcohol sales until, you know, fairly, fairly recent history. So I think a lot of, you know, it's the same reason with sports betting. And there are a lot of, and any kind of gambling in Georgia, there are a lot of folks who just fundamentally are morally opposed to any kind of vice, you know, right? Whether, whether it's alcohol, whether it's gambling, whether it's, you know, whether it's, whether it's marijuana. So what you can buy at these dispensaries, you can buy basically three things. It's all the cannabis oil and you can have it tactured as like a liquid tincture. You know, it comes with like a little eyedropper mm-hmm. that you would put under your tongue, mm-hmm. a topical cream or, or a capsule. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing smokable to be very, very clear. Recreational usage of marijuana is not legal in Georgia. Um, and I don't know when I don't see that honestly even being on the horizon. We can't get we can't get sports betting. Kevin. That like, is right? we so can't, insane to me. It's, 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 it, is. it really is because uh, not only is it the money to be made and business to come to the state, it's arguably like a whole lot safer than having a gun or it's a whole lot safer than driving drunk. Uh, I, I, you're absolutely right. And that's a great point that you brought up with the Sunday blue laws. I mean, that was just insane. I remember when you couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday. Like, what does that mean? Like, what? That didn't yeah. stop anybody from getting drunk. Well, like, what? Well, no, what I would say to people who are like, well, this, you know, if, if people can buy alcohol on Sunday, alcoholism will skyrocket. And I, like my response to that was, wow, you are really blessed to have never known any actual alcoholic. Right. <laughs> if you are dealing with an addiction, which is what alcoholism is, no day of the week or hour in the day will prevent you from, from abusing alcohol. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. And so one of the things that I think a lot of folks hope, and that, that includes the Republicans who support medical cannabis and who support ultimately recreational legalization because there are Republicans who support that. And to be clear, there are Democrats who don't support that. Wow. But this is, you know, this wouldn't have passed in any way if there weren't both Republicans and Democrats who supported actually Alan Peake, who was a former Republican state representative from the Macon area. He was really the person who spearheaded all of this policy in Georgia. And one, one of the goals and one of the hopes is that these dispensaries will open. They will operate. And people will realize that the sky is not going to fall in on us. You know, that, that, that the world will continue to spin. Georgia will continue to function. But meanwhile, you're going to have, you know, children with seizure disorders. You're going to have, you know, people with cancer patients. You're going to have people suffering, you know, with, with Crohn's disease or ALS. You know, they're going to be able to get a treatment that their doctors want them to have and that they know will help them they haven't been able to get before. So I think this is definitely, you know, at the Capitol, we talk a lot about taking bites out of the apple. And this is definitely an example of 
taking a little bite out of the apple with the, I think the, I don't even know if for a lot of people who support this, I don't think their goal is ultimately recreational legalization. Hmm. But I do think that if you support recreational legalization, this is a good step in the right direction. Because I think, too, it's going to help policymakers understand that, yes, this is something that the state can regulate. Because, again, I don't want my kid or anyone I care about to go to some sketchy hemp store to buy what they think might be Delta 8, to buy what they think might be some kind of edible, but for something that's totally unregulated, for sure. something that has, you know, you don't know how these people are vetting their product. And, you know, you don't know how much of it is like snake oil. It's just a grift, right? So I think that if we know people are going to be consuming these products, just like with sports betting, right? Like we might as well get in on the regulation game. Well, that, that's what I think, too. I mean, look, especially with all the vaping and all that stuff, which is legal and kids are getting it every which way, this just seems like so behind the times to not embrace the business and the regulation of it all. Well, listen, um, it's a step in the right direction. It's a bite out of the apple, as you would say. So so you would never like introduce a bill to try and push more forward next session. You feel like it's sort of a dead end or do you think there's... No, no, I don't think it's a dead end. I think people will introduce those bills. I think, honestly, it's going to need... I don't think it'll be next. I mean, there might be a bill next session, but I think until you have a groundswell of support for increased access... Mm-hmm cannabis products from the majority party, it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Okay. And I don't know, yeah. And I don't, I, I don't think that this is a particular priority of anybody in Republican leadership in the state. Okay. Well, we know what their priorities are, and those are really the social issues that seem to be like on fire. So let's talk about, you yeah. talk about how there are Republicans and Democrats kind of agreeing on on this medical marijuana, which was just really terrific. It's always great when people can come to an agreement when they're on different sides of the aisle. In South Carolina, they were trying to pretty much outlaw abortion there. And it is so incredible that it is the women lawmakers, the lady Republicans that said, right. uh, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> Exactly. Because women know. Women know. I mean, it was it was amazing. Like some of the state senators were just saying, like, you know, this is really all about control. And why can't we have more of that in other states? It's just it's crazy to think that in South Carolina, everybody listening and pass it on, you really have good abortion and healthcare access in a deep, deep red state. And from what they've said, and Terry, you can elaborate a little bit more from what they've said with what happened there is there at this point, it's not even worth trying to bring this out again next session. Like they realize, all right, let's move on. That's right. That's right. I think it, it was almost like maybe, maybe, you know, and I don't have the inside scoop on what's happening in the South Carolina Senate. I think that South Carolina, the state, which is a newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, does a phenomenal job with their political coverage. And if I had to venture a guess, and actually Maya probably would be an interesting person to talk about this because she covered politics in South Carolina before she came to Atlanta. And she's all, you know, obviously covered this abortion issue in Atlanta. Maya, if you're listening, you'll have to text us. But, but it, it's pretty remarkable that 
one, I think it's remarkable that there are only five women in the South Carolina Senate. Their, their, their Senate has, I think, 46 Senate districts. You have five women. In Georgia, we have, uh, you know, God, shit, what is it? 50, 50 something, 52. We have 52 districts mm-hmm. and we have like 16 senators. Mm-hmm. So they don't have, I'm sorry, so we have 56 districts, Senate districts in Georgia, and we have 16 women. In mm-hmm. South Carolina, they have 46 districts and they have five women. There are not many women. <laughs> the women in South Carolina do not have much of a voice yeah. in their general assembly. And so it's it's pretty remarkable that, that these three Republican women joined with the two Democratic women to filibuster this. Because, yeah. again, women know that a, <laughs> abortion is such a, it's such a nuanced thing. It is such a personal thing. And you couple what happened in South Carolina with the testimony that we had up in Washington, D.C., we had on the Hill this week from Amanda Zorowski, who is a woman from Austin who almost died because her she was having a, a late miscarriage. She went septic. Theta still had a heartbeat. And she she not only did she almost die, she's probably going to have infertility issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a powerful, powerful testimony. She gave basically saying, I want to look at you, uh, Senator, uh, uh, the two senators from Texas, basically saying, you know, it's Ted Cruz and who's the other senator from Texas? Cornyn. uh, Cornyn. Uh, And she basically said, I blame this on the both of you. And it's so it is remarkable to see in South Carolina. It actually gave me a little bit of hope, Terry, for once. Like, ugh, you know, can't we have these Republican women just like, you know, because what we're finding is as we're, you know, getting to 2024. And I love reading these headlines that abortion right now is a problem for Republicans because like Nikki Haley going out there and trying to give a speech on this. And she's just basically like she's literally speaking about it and saying nothing. Yeah, that's right. Well, and Nancy Mace, you know, she's another Republican woman from South Carolina. She's in Congress. And she, you know, she said this week, she's like, if these if you keep going down this road of abortion bans, you're going to lose lose huge. Was was what she said, and that was on ABC this week. She's like, this yeah. is meanwhile. Yeah. Like, I really want to like Nancy Mace. I really do because she says a lot of great stuff like that. And then she says about right. gun control. She's like, you know, this is a losing. We gotta stop burying our heads in the sand. And then she says like kookaloo stuff. I mean, it's just like, gosh, can't we just have all normal? It's so weird how Republicans, it's like when they're a little bit normal, then they feel they have to go into the down the crazy lane. Right. It's like, what, like who, who's, who, Who's the real Nancy Mace? Is it the person who is saying we need to do common sense gun gun laws versus saying, you know, we need to not go down this road of abortion bans? Or is it the woman who's saying, you know, well, we've got to protect we've got to protect girls from competing against right. you know, trans girls in sports? Like and maybe she contains multitudes and that is just she maybe she's all of those things. But if so, that's a little scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, so it's 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 really I mean, the anti-trans stuff um, and you've led me right there, which is just mind blowing. 
I am convinced that these people who are doing these extreme laws have never met a trans person in their entire life. And especially in, you know, rural states like Montana. Uh, And that is a wild story of the representative there who has been expelled from speaking. Well, what are these Republicans in Montana so afraid of? Why are they saying that this legislator, their colleague, who they have expelled from being able to be on the House floor, apparently, so she's trying to continue representing her constituents by working from a bench outside of the chamber, and they're saying she's trying to incite a riot. Like, no, she's just trying to do her job, which is to represent her constituents. And are her constituents, and I believe she's from Missoula, are they probably a little more liberal than some of the more rural guys constituents, yes, but they're still Mon- like they still are Montanans. They still live in that state. They're still voters in that state. They still have a voice, and they use their voice and their vote to elect their representative. And I honestly think all all of these folks are doing it. They're they're showing their they're showing their cowardice. They are showing that they are afraid of views that are different from their own. They're showing that they're afraid of people who are different from them, and they're. It's just more of this hypocrisy. Oh, well, we believe in, in freedom. We believe in individual rights. We believe in parental rights. But they don't. If any individual or any parent wants to do something, that's not what they, not what they would do with their family. And it, it, I mean, it's just they're, they're afraid and they're acting out of fear. And I cannot imagine walking around that scared all the time. Yeah. So it's Representative Zephyr, and she has been absolutely incredible. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Tennessee Three in a weird way, because, look, she's just a representative, as you said, from Missoula, which is like a super liberal, super like LBGTQ community because it's a college town. And like you said, representing her constituents. And then actually the governor of Montana son identifies as non-binary gay and gay man and went mm-hmm. to his father and said listen these laws are hurting my community and i thought that was really brave for him to go to his father and his father is still not they're still doubling down on this i just i don't know is this a winning or a losing issue for them. I mean, are there are there are the true moms looking at this and thinking like it's just it's this is it's it's kind of out of control. It is out of control, and I and I do think it. They are very dismissive. What's frustrating is how dismissive they are of people's lived experiences, like the governor being dismissive of his own child's lived experience. The members of the Georgia Senate who are so dismissive of. Senator Sally Harrell's lived experience with her trans child. Uh, it's astonishing to see people disregard their colleagues so blatantly. Um, but I think that we're going to start, I think that more people who are viewed as, you know, maybe reasonable or who or might even be viewed as unlikely allies are going to start saying, look, enough is enough. Why are we spending so much time on this? And the story that I was thinking about this week was, Dwayne Wade, the, right. the um, retired NBA basketball player in Florida. And he was like, yeah, my family left Florida because of these laws, because he has a child who who is trans. And I think you have more and more people speaking up and saying, yeah, we're, we're not going to do this. We won't live in Florida. 
you know, we won't, you know, we're, if you have a don't say gay, we're not going to make our lives and raise our families in these states where we know that our, our members of our family not just aren't, aren't valued or, or treated with respect, but aren't safe. And where, you know, and where there is policy that is made with disregard for, for the mental health and wellness of their families. So I, I, I think we might start seeing more of this, especially as more of these state legislatures pass bills banning gender-affirming care for minors, but also there are states talking about banning gender-affirming care for adults. Yeah, it's 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 really it's I really think in the in life of all the things to focus on at these state houses is it's quite unbelievable and really, really sad. But I am very empowered by the people who are stepping up and uh, speaking out like Representative Zephyr and Montana and uh, for representative for uh, Senator Harrell and here in Georgia. Um it's really important that people keep their voices loud. Um, going into 2024, I mean, these are some of the big issues. And I find this really interesting as far as like, you know, taking away rights. It seems like in all the polls, uh, people want common sense gun legislation, even Republicans and people do not like the book bans. I and that's how I want to lean into Joe Biden announcing that he's running for president again. And from from stuff that I'm reading, is they're really going to be leaning into those issues very, very hard. I think that's a smart move. I think that's a very smart move for them because that is where I think the people who might. You know, it's like, it's like I talked to a guy last week and he's like, you know, I voted for the first time I voted for a Republican and I voted for Brian Kemp because, you know, my business is doing well and the economy in Georgia is so great. And I said, well, do you think he's a moderate? He's like, he seems very moderate. I said, okay, tell me what's moderate about a six-week abortion ban. Tell me what's moderate about permitless carry. Tell me what's moderate about open carry. Like, tell me what's moderate about any of the policies. Like, tell me what's moderate about his, you know, the, the, the trans bill that passed this year that the governor made it a point to sign almost immediately after it passed. Like, there's nothing moderate about Brian Kemp, and there's nothing moderate about Donald Trump, certainly, or any of the other Republicans. There's nothing moderate about Nikki Haley, and I think that's a smart approach for Biden to take. I think it'll be a smart approach for Ossoff to take when he's running again in four years. I think that it's going to be a very smart thing because those are the kinds of things that doesn't matter how, if you say you're moderate about the economy, you say, oh, you're, you're supporting businesses. If you're meddling so intimately in the lives of people in your state and families of your state, if you, if you are interfering in medical decisions that people are making for themselves or their children, if you are interfering with what, you know, books can be taught in your child's class, like there's nothing moderate about that. So what did he say? How did that conversation end? He was like, well, no, I see your point. But, you know, again, the economy is just going great. And I was like, well, <laughs> good for you, Mr. Man. I'm glad your business is thriving. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, like there's, there's nothing moderate. Yeah, there's nothing mo- moderate about it. And that's what I think is going to put the governor in a really, really interesting position. So it was announced that they're, the GOP convention in Georgia that he's skipping in. Uh, Attorney General Chris Carr is skipping in. Other lawmakers are skipping it. But if Trump is the nominee, these guys are going to have to lean into Trumpism, whether they like it or not. I mean, that's going to get really interesting. It is. It is. And, and, and you know, again, if Trump is going to be doing his, his usual, you know, I'm the only person who can save America. I, you know, that, that just autocratic 
you know, the, just that, that autocratic nonsense that he, that he spews, that garbage that he spews. I mean, every single Republican running in the United States of America, whether they're running for, you know, county commission seat, school board or general assembly or statewide office, they're all going to be in the shadow of whatever it is that Donald Trump says. And it's been so wild to see how they've started to turn on DeSantis. Yeah, they have. Uh, they have. I mean, it's first of all, well, we've talked about it so many times how we just don't think he's likable. I mean, honestly, I think Kemp would have a much better chance, I think, if they were going to put anybody up for like, you know, Aza Hutchinson, doesn't you dead mm-hmm. in the water. Nikki Haley, dead in the water. Uh, I do like Chris Sununu. I think he's really uh, interesting. Like I could I could stomach him um, because I think he's a little bit more, just he's just normal. These other people are just not normal, um, but they're going to have to lean into Trump. Uh, I mean, I feel like Democrats are just like, you know, he's Joe Biden's best Hope, but it's like, what do you make of like people are just, you know, the narrative, oh, he's too old. And, uh, you know, that's the, there's the old narrative. Well, I mean, if, if Trump's and if it's Trump Biden, the age thing is kind of moot. Right. They're both really old. It's really interesting. <laughs> I know. I know. So this is so this is another thing that really fascinated me this week. Well, you know, like I really love Kelly Leffler content. And I do. And so Kemp attended her Greater Georgia Awards. She had like some awards ceremony. And, you know, she had been kind of on the outs with Kemp because, you know, she would remember she wasn't going to certify the election. And then she did. And then Kemp is out there saying, you know, we've got to move away from Trumpism. Um, So do you think that she's like thirsty for governor? Right. I mean, that's, I, my understanding is that if she's the vision boarding type, and I like to think that she is a vision boarding type, that she probably has a lot of stuff about being governor on her vision board. (laughs) Well, um, the funny sidebar uh, is that I finally saw her in person a couple of weeks ago. I was emceeing the High Museum wine auction, and I... I literally ran right into her and I panicked. Like I literally panicked. Like my heart was beating so fast. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I immediately were texted Jen and Terry and I'm like, oh my God, Kelly Leffler's here. Kelly Leffler's here. And I, of course I did want, I like in an, if I wasn't working, I probably would have walked up to her and said hello, but I was like, I, I have to keep it classy and can't say anything. But wow. And, and, and you know, the reaction of Jen and Terry was not what I was expecting at all. They're like, well, of course she is. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, why not? Action is like a big philanthropic event for high level philanthropists in Atlanta. I Which know. is why they had you. I know. The best. You know, I found her uh, attractive and she was very tall. I mean, her views are garbage. Um, you know, I disagree with like, there's not like one thing I could see eye to eye with her. I mean, but at the same time, she threw herself in her own award ceremony. I mean, that's a good vision board, Terry. I mean, if you've got the means, <laughs> which she does, you know, you, you know. It's like she put out, it just put out a press release talking about how amazing, and I feel like some people actually ran articles about the, you know, greater, it was like, she's just doing a press release for her own thing, which again, you know, that's what press releases are for, but 
don't know, be a little more discerning. I guess so, but you know, I guess you could argue that Stacey Abrams does the same shit. You know what I mean? No, that's totally fair. So, you also have in other Georgia news, this is what's crazy, this Fonnie Willis, uh, District Attorney Fonnie Willis and the Fulton County Special Grand Jury had announced this week that she put out a uh, letter to law enforcement uh, agencies saying from, I think it was like from July 11th to sometime in September, like we've got uh, beyond gar on watch because some shit's going down. Um, and people have been kind of critical about her. I know this is a good question, like legal question for Jen, but people are saying like, what took her so long? And it seems like there's still some stuff like that they're actively investigating. What do you think of all this, Terry? I mean, there are lots of definitions of the word imminent, but I don't know. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I know. What's going to happen? Totally. I don't want to wait. Totally. I don't think that she and her team would be taking the safety of people in Atlanta, the safety of people in Georgia, the safety, you know, I mean, she's got the folks on her team, they were bulletproof vests. I mean, it is, I think that the fact that they're being you know, the gravity of what they're saying to prepare for says that I think there'll be some big stuff in, you know, when all of this is unveiled sometime this summer. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's really crazy. And, you know, another thing that they're saying is that a lot of people are taking deals. So that's what's been taking yeah. a long time is that they're, you know, and that leads me to uh, Lieutenant Book Governor Burt Jones, who is a fake elector, and, you know, obviously there was a conflict of interest there because um, she did, Fonnie Willis held a fundraiser for him for candidate Charlie, Bailey, Charlie yeah. Bay, can, candidate for lieutenant governor. So she got a little bit of heat for that. But here we so do you think someone like Burt Jones is, is he panicking a little bit? I mean, if I were him, I'd be sweating. I mean, some of the other fake electors who, you know, I've. I, you know, have known over the years when I've, you know, seen them recently, you can tell that they're sweating. When I say seem like you like cross paths, not like had conversations or anything about this, but, but, you know, you can tell that they're sweating. And the stories that came out late last week about how basically, yeah, they're all ratting on each other. Well, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Terrible, like, like breaking news, terrible people do terrible things to each other, right? Like, <laughs> just, I mean, that's not none of those guys should be surprised that they're turning on each other, but it is stunning. And I'm sure Jen would have a lot to say about this. I know my husband, who's an attorney, had a lot to say about this. Um, but the fact that one of you know, like the lawyers weren't, con- she wasn't communicating to her clients some of the deals that were being offered. That's, that's pretty awful. I mean, that's, that's something that lawyers should not do. Like you've right. got to communicate whatever the opposing counsel is offering, no matter how asinine you might think it is, you are obliged to share that with your client. So it's really stunning that you know, that angle of the story also, you know, this is that woman, um, I'm going to mispronounce this, but, uh, but DeBrow is her last name and she represents 10 of the 11 fake electors which that's actually a little legally specious also. Totally. I mean, of course they're going to start, you know, start going after each other because again, terrible people do terrible things. (laughs) Well, and, 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 and Terry, it's just, you think about this. All of this goes back to one man, everything from the dominion case to 
all, you know, the whole network of Fox News, all these people on January 6th who are spending time in jail or doing with all, I mean, it is truly unbelievable. And it's unbelievable that, of course, these people are going to turn on each other and they're all going to have to endure this again because it's still the fan base. He's the most popular Republican in the party right now is just even with all everything from uh, the district attorney in New York, Alvin Bragg to E. Jean Carroll, which is a fascinating case and to all of this here in Georgia. And it's just like nothing matters. It's unbelievable. But that's going to be wild. I mean, with Trump, that, you know, that's a whole thing. But some of these other people in Georgia, that to me is the sexier part. Well, and there's also there's this tragic aspect of it that these folks were willing to sacrifice their freedom, potentially, for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about any of them. I know. I mean, that's so sad. It's so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is really, it's really sad because a lot of, you know, these aren't dumb people. I, I cannot imagine. It's just this fealty to Donald Trump. It's so, it's, it's just, it's baffling and it's really tragic. And a lot of people in Georgia who, you know, were, again, willing to sacrifice their freedom, apparently, for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump probably doesn't even know most of their names. Oh, does not know their names. That's it. Well, so we're going to have to have to wait and see what happens with that. I mean, it's just it's absolutely crazy that this is that this is their guy. Still, after everything, (laughs) it's just I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you're at home right now, so you're just getting ready. I, I Terry had all her errands today. She had to go to shopping and the butcher and everything. And um, so we'll all be together in a, a couple of weeks. But what yeah. are you raving about this week? Well, let's see. I have actually a couple of things. Okay. One is I mentioned last week that I was going camping and we did. We went down to Providence Canyon State Park. If you have never been to Providence Canyon, it looks kind of like a little miniature Bryce Canyon in Utah. It's spectacular, except unlike the canyons out west, it doesn't exist because of a river. It exists because farmers in that part of Georgia in the 1830s really didn't know much about <laughs> irrigation and good farming techniques. And the soil was really sandy. There's a lot of kaolin. And so as a result, we have, you know, beautiful, almost, you know, almost 200 years later, we have these gorgeous canyons. Um, and it's a really neat place. And I want to give a shout out to Ranger Reba. She gave us a fabulous, um, <laughs> like a, a tour of the canyon. And then we went to Lake Eufaula, which is right up the road at Florence Marina State Park. We went on a boat ride. There are lots of alligators there. Uh, it was, it was great. I, Georgia has, an abundance of really amazing state parks. And if you are an outdoorsy type and Mary, you're probably going to be singing that. Um, is the Lemonhead song. I lied when I said I was the outdoor type. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, I do. And that is dedicated to me. I, d- I love the outdoors <laughs> when I'm walking through New York city. That is amazing. Um, it's really good. Central park. That is, that is yes. Yes. So, yes. Well, no, this is, but there is, there is, it's a really great hike. It's about two and a half, two, about two, 
if you stop for lunch, it's about two and a half hours south of Atlanta. It's basically 25 miles west of Plains. It's a great place. The other thing that is amusing me tremendously this week um, is that the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Oh yes. Yeah, was like, oh yeah, if somebody can prove that China didn't interfere with the election, I'll pay you five million dollars. And so this, you know, this software guy is like Robert Ziedman is his name. And he was, he was a like, Trumper too. The guy. He was a Trumper, but yeah. he was like, I can prove this. <laughs> Mike Lindell wouldn't pay him, and it went to arbitration. And the, you know, court ordered that Lindell had to pay the guys $5 million. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Actually, Ested Herndon from the New York Times has a terrific podcast called The Run Up, uh, which yes. I, I recommend that everybody get in your feed. And, and he has been doing incredible work. I've actually tried to get him on the podcast and we will get him on. I have gone back and forth with him um, and he agreed to do it. But um, he has an extensive interview with the My Pillow guy, and it is just, it's it's it is it is something. So I recommend that. But that is that. What I am raving about this week is a documentary called "All the Beauty and the Bloodshed," and this is about the artist Nan Golden, and she is a very avant-garde photographer. But what she did was, if you remember when the Sackler family, um, of course, you know, all the opioids and the opioid crisis. And so she really started the movement to get the Sackler name off of all of these museums. And so they staged all these die-ins with the pill bottles and they did it everywhere from the Met to the Louvre in Paris. And they actually got it done. And um, so the the documentary is really all about her life and her activism. And it's really something else. And she was a, a an addict herself. And so that, that that is just amazing to me because I don't think we can really forget about the opioid crisis and how the Sackler family is really a family full of murderers who um, walk freely in our society when so many people are incarcerated for minor drug charges. It truly blows my mind. But it gives me inspiration to um, be an activist. I mean, they didn't give up. And I I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about the documentary and about her in general, uh, which is why I think you should totally watch it. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like, I mean, if you're, if it's, you know, bonding mixed feelings that means that they're hitting some hitting some chords with people yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it all right well um we are going to take i think we're going to take next week off because i'm traveling uh, but we will be back with jen and we will be reporting on the taylor swift concert because um jen and i will be there together um and um while you're camping <laughs> I know. I already went camping. I'm not camping. No, this week the Maybe you're doing it again. Maybe you're doing no, it again. we're volunteering at a cat shelter this weekend. Cat shelter? To, yeah, they're going to be reading to cats to help socialize the cats at the cat shelter. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I absolutely love that. I love it. All right. Well, go. Oh, and yes. while y'all are at Taylor Swift, Raffensperger is going to be at the White House Correspondence Center. So we'll have to talk about that when we reconvene. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. a, that's right. Okay. I'm sure like by the time you're listening to this, there'll be good, some good headlines from it. I mean, so much happens at the White House Correspondence Center. I'm still my favorite. Like I, 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 with all these people who breathe fire all the time and how they were so upset at Michelle Wolf for making a joke about uh, what's her face? Eye makeup. The eye makeup from uh, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Sanders. Yeah. Like, 
she, she lights fires for, from the lies she tells to give herself a smoky eye. I mean, that was a great joke. And, and it was like, great. People are, Terry, uh, we just have to run the world because everybody else is crazy. And because women know. <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.